This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club. Jack yeah. is mm-hmm. a uh, man mm-hmm. I know. Yep. He looks just like Pinocchio. What? When he comes down the street, you can smell his dirty feet. Oh, come on. When he runs around the house, he looks just like a scrawny mouse. Jack's clothes are never clean. He's ugly, and he's really mean. Oh, come on. That's what we call in the business, Tanner, an ad hominem. Jack, yep, is okay. No friend of mine. Mm-hmm. He looks just like Frankenstein. When he comes down the street, you can smell his dirty feet. All right, enough with the dirty feet again. Jack is a dirty bum, <laughs> and he is a great big crumb. Crumb? Yeah. You didn't even write this content, did you? I don't need to. It's broadly applicable to both you and Krusty Toenail and Logan Bruno. <laughs> Krusty Toenail Baby Nation is the name that is given to Christy Thomas this week. It's, a, by... it's the suckification of Christy's name by a handful of six to eight-year-olds. Yeah, it's very good. It's maybe a C-plot, but it's a fascinating C-plot. I would firmly call it the B-plot. Okay, well, we're putting the cart before the horse, since we haven't even introduced the show. Oh, here we are, Baby Nation. I'm here with stinky old Dirty Foot Jack. Stinky Foot Mm -hmm. Jack. Okay. His feet are so stinky, and his bum is so dirty. Yep. Uh, Jack, you're back at work, I'm to understand. Yeah. Baby Nation, uh, Jack has taken the last six to eight weeks off for (gasps) paternity leave. He's doing air quotes, I believe. Is that what's happening? Mm Mm-hmm. In the words, Tanner, of one of the great troubadours, and I can't remember whether it is Arnaud Danielle or Per Vidal or uh, another of the lesser uh, troubadours. Uh, everybody, yeah. Rock your body. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, uh-huh. rock your body right. Because Backstreet's back. All right. And that's you in this? Well, Jack Street, I guess, would work better. Jack. Jack's feet. Jack's, Jack's feet. Jack's stinky feet. Are back. Are back. <laughs> All right. At work. At work. How's it feel? Um, good, man. Get away from that monster, Cyril. Head into the office. Make some hot, hot content for the internet. Yeah, man. That's a spoiler for what I do for a living. I've been uh, working pretty tirelessly for the last six to eight weeks. Okay. So. Well, now the tables have turned, my friend, because this guy works a day job, and then he comes home, and he cooks dinner for his uh, wife and child, and then he, he rocks his child to sleep, and then... He retires to his ante room with a cigar and a, a few beers, and he, he makes a hot, hot podcast. I know. I'm going to miss the days where we could record at like 6.30 p.m. here. Yeah, that's... I. You know what's actually a good time for me? Is 4 a.m. Oh, that's not going to work for me, because I'm like 3 a.m. I'm up. Here. Yeah. Um. Here's a thought. Let's introduce the show. Fine. Hi, hi. Hi. And welcome to the Babysitter's Club. 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 A podcast wherein I am Jack Shepard. And I, Tanner Greenring. And I, Jack Shepard, talk about the classic novels of The Princess of the Prince of Towns, St. Annabelle Matthews Martin, Stormborn, Soul Skinner, Mother of Clocks, and Bane to Bats, first of her name. There was such a pregnant pause. Last of her kind. Last hope for humankind. And Tanner, I believe if you go back and parse the sentence that we made together, it scans grammatically Uh. because the construction works out thanks to some daring do on my part. This week, Tanner... Repeat, can you go back? Can we go back and analyze it really quick? You said, a podcast wherein I'm Jack Shepard, comma, 
And I, Tanner Greenring, and I, Jack Shepard. Fuck. Talk about the classic novels of Princeton's own Princess huh. Annabelle Matthews Martin. Fuck. Uh, let's not dwell on it. It went well. I thought it went well. It was, a, it was a, what we call a collaboration. Well, I'll sabotage some grammar later in the episode. Okay, fine. That seems fine. Uh, this week, Baby Nation, we read a book that was called Stacy McGill, Super Sitter. Super Sitter, yes. Super Sitter. I like uh, the book very good. Uh, also, it was wrote by Suzanne Wayne. Okay, all right. Let's not what. Let's not deliberately. You asked for this. You brought this upon yourself. I'm working with you. I'm working within the parameters that you're willing to give me to create a sentence that is going to work for our audience. So me am Suzanne is... Man, <laughs> and I'm a Waniac. <laughs> and not only are you a Suzanne Man. And E-M. I, a Waniac. You am. But I am U-M. insane in the membrane. Insane in the brain. Yeah, there's, there's no other way to do it. No, I tried. You heard the pause. <laughs> um, yeah, it was written by the great Anna Martin uh, in conjunction with the chief Waniac herself, Suzanne Wayne. You think she's the biggest fan of her work? Chief of the Waniacs. Yeah. <laughs> C. O W C O T W Chief of Otherwise the it's cow. <laughs> but you don't count the O or the it would just be C W. Chief Waniac. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very important role and a very important book uh, that we read this week. I read it. I definitely read it. Stacy McGill, Super Sitter. I read it. I liked it. I liked it. Don't like Stacy. Would you describe this novel, Tanner, as good, clean, babysitting fun? Huh. I think that's a fraught philosophical question, so I'm interested in your response. Now, this is interesting. Yeah. Because I would hate to ever give that to Stacy. I often reserve GCBSF for... Christy Thomas and Christy Thomas books, maybe yeah. a Marianne, mm-hmm. but this had all the hallmarks of a GCBSF. Yeah. Huh. I think this may have been good, clean babysitting fun, Baby Nation. Yeah. I, one of the, so I think let's try to define our terms here. I think one of the important hallmarks of a book that can be called good, clean babysitting fun. And let's let's call this um, a necessary but not a sufficient condition for being good, clean babysitting fun. Is the babysitters themselves cannot fight mm-hmm. with yep. each and other? That does not happen in this book. And that does not happen in this book. They also need to be like solving some kind of babysitting crisis, right? Which happens to a degree in this book. Yeah, there is a babysitting crisis. Like you could name that crisis if you were. Trying to make a case for this book being GCBSF, you could name that crisis something like, um, is it possible to take on too much babysitting? Or I think I think the more apt crisis in this book, because the babysitting crisis in these books are often like, we need to find a way to entertain many babies at once, right? Right. We need to throw a carnival. We need to throw a talent show. Those are always right. the good, clean babysitting fun books. Right. And the A plot of this book, which we will get into in a moment, Baby Nation, is not necessarily that. The A plot is like babysitter tension. Right. I think the the tail end of the B plot is where we get the babysitting crisis. Right. Managing a bunch of babies trying to throw a Valentine's Day dinner. Right. For Logan and... Interesting. Well, if that's the case, though, then I think that... that causes some problems for the notion that this book is a GCBSF book. I think it's, it, I think it's, it's, a, it's thrown in at the end. It's a great B-plot, but it's not... The central tension of this novel is the tension between Stacy and Mrs. Chaplin, who is the mother of the babies that she's babysitting, um, and not the tension of... I think the, it's GCBSF rising. Yeah. It's yeah. there. It's just... It's, it's pushed aside. It's pushed aside. Yeah. It's obvious that Suzanne Wayne, uh, chief of the Waniacs, insane in the membrane herself, some say. God though, king of the Waniacs. God king of the Waniacs, Suzanne Wayne. Yeah. Who lost her mind. Flayed by the beholders. Flayed. Her mind is flayed. 
but her genius is in some ways just more naked and raw because of it. It's just right out there. Suzanne Wayne, at the very least, has studied all of the great GCBSF texts. She's dipping her fountain pen in the inkwell of those texts as she writes this novel. Uh, but it's not necessarily what you would call a pure GCBSF. You know what it is? You know what novel. I'm sure happened? Yeah. Suzanne Wayne got a peek of Pete's character Bible, uh, but yeah. like the Necronomicon, it like drove her to madness. Like it, it flayed her mind. It inhabited her. It inhabited right. her in some way. Yeah. And now she's she's like a babbling like madman. Right. But yeah. she got just enough of that character Bible that there's like yeah. some like raw genius in there as well. Yeah. Well, and that craziness is the the reason that she's the only ghostwriter at the moment who's willing to take on a Stacy book. Oh yeah, Stacy. It's Stacy. It's Stacey. you're pretty sure it's Stacy. I'm pretty sure it's Stacy. Yeah. Huh. Um. What about if we describe the book? I think you should go first. I often go first, or no, never. Huh? Never. I occasionally go first, but I think we should switch it up this time, and y- you go first. Okay. All right. Fine. I'm gonna go first, which has been the case for um, the last 97 episodes. Yeah, impossible to say. 10 or 97, you know what that's close to. Oh, sure. 69. <laughs> right? Well, it's not close to 420, so what else could I be talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't mean 69. Uh, I was thinking that we're coming up on our 100th episode. Well, no, D- this is past our 100th episode. Well, yeah. Because we have a few unnumbered ones. I think we're going to have to mark our 100th episode with the 100th book. Okay. How about that? The, well, the 100th book is going to be episode, like, 106 yeah. or something It's going like to be that. complicated, but I think Baby, Baby Nation are smart. We'll have 200th uh, episodes. Let's not. We'll have the, the BSCC chronology 100th, <laughs> and then we'll have the BSCC canon yeah. 100. Good. How about if I describe this novel? Fine. I don't care. Okay, good. You should care, because it's both of our livelihood. It's both of our reputations that are on the line here. I'm kind of a bad boy. Okay. I'm a little bit of a renegade. I'm not too worried about my reputation. It's kind of the character I play on the show. Okay. that's It's working for you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to describe this book. You play the stuck-up nerd. Hmm. I think it's working for me, too. <laughs> <laughs> not even an insult to him, Baby Nation. <laughs> comes very naturally. <laughs> yeah. Being both stuck-up and a nerd. That's why you inhabit that character in real life so easily as well. Yeah. I'm like, if Daniel Mm Day-Lewis had to play the part of his life, (laughs) a biopic about Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. I I wonder what he would would even do. It's like if the Pokemon Ditto tried to, like, Ditto Ditto. (laughs) It would be recursive, and he would fritz out, you know? It might get weird. Yeah. Yeah. But not this stuck-up nerd. Tanner, I'm going to describe this novel. You almost said distraught. Are you feeling okay? No, let's just let me do it. And let's not dwell on every fucking verbal miscue. How about that? Look what I just invented. I found this paper towel tube on the ground. Oh, Jesus, don't show me a thing. I put the arrowhead that I usually play with in the paper Mm -hmm. towel tube. Okay, so now fine. it's a weapon. Normally, if I were present, that would be disturbing because it looks very dangerous. Baby Nation, it looks very dangerous. That Call 911 if Tanner suddenly goes silent. He has a f- very sharp arrowhead in a fucking cardboard tube that he's waving around. Tanner, but I'm not present, so I don't care. Just fucking be quiet with it. I'm going to describe this novel, and I'm going to begin now. Ow, fuck. Stacy McGill knew there was something strange about the job that Mama Cheplin offered her as soon as she heard about it. But the money was too good to pass up, and Stacy had never been the type to ask questions, as long as she was getting paid a stack of crisp bills at the end of the week. She figured she'd get over the jitters after she spent her first big stack on a Broadway play and a night on the town with her boyfriend Robert. So what if Mama Cheplin's asking her to do things she thinks aren't right? Things that compromise her integrity. Things that make her, what do you call it? Complicit. And besides, Mama Chaplin seems pretty adamant about the fact that it's way too late for someone like Stacy to back out of a thing like this without causing a whole lot of trouble. 
for people who don't want any. Stacy McGill, the super sitter. I'm done. Did you cut yourself or hurt yourself in some way? Are you listening? Oh, I'm back. Sorry. One second. What's he, what are you doing? You want to describe what you're doing? It's an audio medium which requires you to use your words. Yeah. At the um, very least. I guess I can say. all that we're asking of you. I guess yeah. this, this doesn't count as a plug. Um, okay. You insisted we start so late and your description was so long and boring that... Um, HQ came on in the meantime, and I've, I'm playing some, uh, <laughs> I was doing Great. trivia. Okay. And I've got a real shot here, but do you want me to s- stop doing this now? Well, this is a lot like the dilemma that Stacy faced this week. Because I've got a real shot at winning some real cash prizes here. Yeah, well, you have to think about... But if you insist you want me to stop and dedicate my time to the podcast, I can do that. Tanner, I'm not insisting anything. You need to decide for yourself... Perfect, okay. ...whether you want to... catch you in, like, five ten. Take some time to make the big score to chase that dragon of the filthy lucre that may or may not be coming your way, or to devote yourself to the things that matter to your friends and your family and your podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I think of Scott from HQ as a friend. Okay, well, that complicates matters. (laughs) We've never met. Yeah, the Baby Nation HQ is like a, a viral game that all the teens are playing, I think. Uh, yeah, it's, it's an like app. Tr- live trivia app. 3 p.m. and 9 p.m. every day. Yes. Put it away. Put it away. I'm doing... Did you learn nothing from this book? Put it away. Okay. I'm putting it away. I'm putting it away. Now, can you do your recap again? Because I missed all of it. No. It was very long. Okay. And it required me getting into this like kind of noir... Ooh. headspace that I don't necessarily want to go back That's to. That's going to be fun to edit. Yeah, you would have found it interesting. Tanner. Let's talk about Jazz. it. Jazz. To dig. Let's talk about it. The talk book. About what? Do you want to describe it? Should we just dive right into it? That's the way this is actually supposed to go. Oh, Do you want to describe it? Oh, t- fucking put away the fucking app. You know what fucked me up? What? There was a Logan POV chapter in this book. Oh, yeah. That normally only happens in super specials. It was weird. I didn't like it. It was odd. It was an odd choice. It brought a weird energy to the book. Well, this is the thing about being insane in the membrane. Like, Suzanne can inhabit that mind huh? in a way that probably some of the other authors wouldn't dare right. to like dive inside the nightmare upside down world that is Logan's brain. But Suzanne has a lot of comfort navigating that space right she's Uh, so far gone that like nothing can scare her in there nothing can scare her now um so there's a b plot oh you know what's a good way to get to the b plot what about we get to it by you describing this entire novel and during that description maybe hitting the b plot i'll start with the b plot no Um, don't no wait i'm gonna put it's valentine's day in stony brook okay check i'm doing my thing well i want to put 60 seconds on the clock first Okay, fine. I wanted you to do it within 60 seconds. All right? Do it. Put 60 I'll start seconds with the B-plot. On this oh, you big... want to do a whole lead-up? Yeah. <sighs> okay. I yeah. want to put 60 seconds on this big bad clock that I have here. During those 60 seconds, I would like for you to describe this novel. And, Tanner, you may start with the B-plot, but I need you to hit the A-plot pretty hard as well. I'll start with the B-plot. Fine. And we'll see if I have time for the A-plot. Well, let's hope you do, because our listeners depend on us to tell them what happened in this book. Tanner, I'd like for you to begin describing this novel right now. B-plot, Baby Nation. It's Valentine's Day. Uh, Logan wants to do something nice for Marianne, so he decides to take her to Shea Maurice for dinner and buy her a ring. He asks Stacy if if she'll come shop do ring shopping with him. Uh, but she is too busy with her new babysitting job to do it. So he asks Christy Thomas instead. And while they're out ring shopping at the mall, they're caught by Charlotte Johansson and Becca Ramsey. Uh, they they catch Logan slipping a ring onto um, Christy's finger, and they think that Logan is cheating on Marianne with Christy. And they do this whole plot where they send me notes to Logan and Christy, which I read earlier, but inserted Jack's name instead of Christy and Logan's. Uh, and then they confront Logan, a group of like 10 kids confront Logan. And time. No, no, no. I still have time. 
And time. He finally put a ring on it, Baby Nation, in the B-plot. I didn't even finish the B-plot. No, you didn't. <laughs> I wouldn't say you did the worst job that you've ever done. Yeah. Because, boy, you sometimes really screw the pooch. But it was a failure. Um, No, I take that on, man. I take that on. That was my... Baby Nation, I failed you today. Yeah. Because I got about halfway through the B-plot. The B-plot. Um, Maybe I'll hit the A-plot. Baby Nation this week, Stacy McGill, super sitter, is keen to purchase for her beau boyfriend Robert Brewster, aka Brewdoggy, tickets to a Broadway show so that she can persuade him that New York is the best York. Uh, which he what is about York? Reluctant England to don't interrupt me during my description. <laughs> uh, reluctant to admit. In order to purchase tickets for a Broadway show, she has to take on a ton of babysitting jobs. Luckily, Mrs. Chaplin is in town, and she wants a super sitter to look after her kids uh, every day for two hours uh, indefinitely and also do a bunch of chores. Mrs. Chaplin wishes she could have a older babysitter, but Stacy persuades her that she can do the job and she's up to the task. But Mrs. Chaplin just keeps on adding more and more insane tasks to the list, do the laundry, clean up the fucking kids clean up the rooms do my taxes all sorts of fucking bullshit dana chaplin has diabetes which right. is part of the reason that ms chaplin right decides to bring stacy and she's paying stacy money like she's never fucking seen before stacy has never seen money like this and this is a fucking thing about Stacy. Stacy is a, a creature of excess. She has no moderation. When you put her on a track, she has to see it all the fucking way through to the bitter fucking end. She's her father's daughter. She's her father's daughter. This is what happened when she met those bad girls. She does not know the value of temperance. Like, she learned the lesson after Stacy and the Mean Girls. She's like, babysitting is my life. Babysitting is what I do. It's important. But she learned it a little bit too hard, and she's babysitting too much and for too much money. Right. No babysitter thought that that was ever a problem before now. How can you babysit for too much and for too much money? Yeah. But Anne and Suzanne showed us the dangers of excess. Yeah, they showed us the dangers of excess. Uh, which is very much what this particular novel is about. Um, and I think that Chaplin, this interesting character, Mrs. Chaplin, who seems like kind of a bad person, is a great metaphor for that, right? She's, in many ways, she's not a developed character. She's a stand-in for the Sisyphean task that we all face of getting that money, of advancing our near-term goals at the expense of our spiritual development, the things that really matter, like friends and family, and just trying to push that fucking ball up the hill and get cash so you can get material things. Right. And Stacy is such a sucker for that particular trap. I don't think it's any coincidence that Mrs. Chaplin lives at the top of a hill. Does she? Yeah, it's like Wait. a point. It's a point they return to over and over again. Is that fucking real? Remember when Stacy is like on her first sitting job, she arrives and Mrs. Chaplin's like, oh, you have diabetes? How did you ride your bike up that giant hill? Oh, fucking hell, dude. And on the way down the hill, she's like, I got going so fast that I was a little nervous about how fast I was going down the hill. And then like Dana and Adam were like, We're, we need to go down the hill to the Bruno's house to make dinner and stacy's like are you sure you're allowed to go down the hill on your own it's a big hill that is fucking brilliant and that exactly lines up with what i'm saying here yeah mrs chaplin represents that endless grind up the hill every single day stacy had to grind her way up that hill wow. to care for these two children every single day and for what for something that's just passing like Robert doesn't fucking want to go to a Broadway play. He doesn't give a shit, no. man. Who would? Like what matters is your like the love that exists between them. And she, it's not like the material goods that Stacy can buy him that fucking keep him around. Not everyone loves fucking New York, Stacy. Get over it. Yeah, this is the kind of shit that passes for a conversation starter in Stacy's world. I adore Manhattan, and my dad is really fun. So. I love doing things in Manhattan with my dad. Mm -hmm. It's a great combination. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Stacy. Holds. 
Wait, so wait, hang There's on. There's something there. Hang on. You like your dad, but you also like Manhattan. And what you're saying is when you put them together, they don't cancel out? Yeah. <laughs> Blow my fucking mind. I love drinking. Yeah. And living in Brooklyn. Yeah. So when I have the opportunity to drink in Brooklyn... It's great. Positively to mess in. Yeah. <laughs> That'll get you kicked out of a bar sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Kind of depends on what part of Brooklyn. <laughs> Um, I'm 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 fascinated by Mrs. Cheplin. Yeah, the Cheplins are a new family. Go figure, Baby Nation. A new family of babies have moved into Stony Brook. Mm-hmm. They live at the top of a large hill on the outskirts of town. Mm-hmm. They Mrs. Cheplin seems to have infinite amount of money. Her resources are not in question, and it seems like the way she solves problems is by throwing money at them. Yeah. Because every time she strings Stacy along and, and heaps on more work, she always follows it up with, but I'll give you more cash. I'll double your salary. I'll double your salary. Yeah. And it just so happens that Stacy wants to buy expensive tickets to a Broadway musical and a fancy dinner and a new dress in Manhattan, New York for her boyfriend, Brew Doggy. And a sports car. mm yeah, her goals get a little more ambitious and lofty when she realizes she's making such sweet lucre. She's making the big money. Yeah. Uh, and she starts dreaming about buying a sports car, which like, come on, Stacy, like what are you like helping orphans would be good, saving the planet. You also claim to be a fucking like New Yorker. No one in New York drives a car, Stacy. Yeah, what are you going to do with a fucking sports car? You know what you can do is you can live in fucking Jersey. Yeah, you can park it for five hundred dollars a month. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Come on, Stacy. Come on. Good luck. You can drive to Storm King every now and then. <laughs> That's actually pretty nice. That is nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mrs. Chaplin, weird character. Stacy cannot fucking get it together to exist in some kind of moderation. Mrs. Chaplin's also a monster. She's awful to Stacy. She's like the mom and Carrie a little bit. She's got this like sort of unreasonable expectations for Stacy and for like today's kids. Right. She really wants a mature, like high school aged or older babysitter. Right. For her kids. Um, and is is horrified that Stacy is not that when she first arrives, but decides to give Stacy a probationary period. Right. And when Stacy passes with flying colors, she just kind of keeps tagging on these further probationary periods. Um, but then we'll come home in like a hurry every day and look for problems. Right. She will look for ways in which Stacy has messed up. She wants her to have messed up. Yeah. Um, and look, you got to give it to Stacy. Despite her cupidity in this. Say it again. Despite her cupidity mm-hmm. and her acquisitiveness, oh sure, uh, and her phosphorescence, greed, oh yeah. Not, <laughs> uh, this week, I thought we were she, just saying uh, David Foster Wallace words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to paint a rich portrait of our title character. Uh-huh. Despite her cupidity and her acquisitiveness and phosphorescence, no, not her phosphorescence. Um, I was trying to think of another SAT word for greed, but I can't find one. <laughs> oh, wait, I know one. Um, it's the name of the orange lantern, Avarice. Despite her avarice this week, Stacy, and we have to give this to her, is a very, very good babysitter. She fucking yeah, kills she killed it, it on these jobs. She killed it. Dana gets a diabetic attack. Stacy fucking thinks on her feet, brings her to Dr. Johansson. For some illicit medical care off the books. Yeah, off the insurance medical care uh, from Charlotte Johansson's mom. Even Dana's like piano teacher's like, are you sure we shouldn't bring her to the hospital? And Stacy's yeah. like, no, I know somebody. Yeah, I know somebody. I got a guy. Yeah, she goes into like a back alley and like yeah. Dr. Johansson is just standing there with like a vial of insulin. What are we looking at? Heroin overdose, gunshot wound. She's like, no, just like a mild diabetic thing. Always with the diabetes, Stacy. I need you to bring me a bigger fish next time. That's my Dr. Johansson impression. I loved it, man. It was good. Uh, but she fucking kills it. She does a great babysitting job. And it, so we got this week, Tanner. Um, we got a new happy reading ending. Oh, did we? And I think it underlines 
that point. I think it, it shows that the point that Anne and Sue's Anne are trying to make this week is about the value of sitting. We have so far, by my count, and correct me if I'm wrong, with this mm. book, mm. we have five different possible ways that Anne ends her happy reading section. Let me go through them. Yeah. Before I know. Right. Because I didn't catch this week's. Yeah. Happy reading, comma. Yeah. Anna happy Martin. reading. No inflection. Happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading. Yeah. Anna Martin. That's when it was actually sad, probably. Happy reading! Exclamation point. Happy reading! Anna Martin. Anna Martin. Something about tourism in Massachusetts. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Happy trails. Uh-huh. Happy trails. Happy trails. Anna Martin. Yep. And then, God, what was the last one? This one's a tough one. We had it last book. Uh, it was the book where the entity killed off a beautiful soul in its prime. It's the death of Amelia Freeman. It's not happy reading, period, is it? No, it's nothing. It's just oh, a great nothing. expanse no, 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 of nothingness. It would be, it's a it would void. Be just Anna Martin. And this week, for the first time ever, Baby Nation and Tanner, mm. Anna Martin said... Happy reading and happy sitting. Right, because this week's happy reading section was a series of instructions for young babysitters. Right. Right. How to not get fleeced. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I hope we get more of these. These are valuable. Yeah, it's useful. And I wonder if we are maybe getting an insight into Anne's philosophy from this. Right now, we know that these are the... The five things that she values, right? Reading. Mm-hmm. Reading. Reading. Trails. Uh-huh. Nothing. And sitting. And sitting. I wonder if each of those matches up to a ghostwriter. Oh, that's a good thought. Okay, well, we can do this. Happy reading would be Pete, right? Pete, absolutely. Like with the exclamation point. That's Pete. Happy, he's happy he's got reading. a smile on his face, and he walks through the world with a spring in his step. Happy reading, comma. Definitely Nola. That's Nola. Happy Straightforward. Reading. Yeah. Brass tax. Nothing is obviously the... The entity. The entity. That's the entity. They're void walkers. That's what they see when they look out at the world. They see nothing. And now Suzanne has this new thing. Happy sitting. sitting. Yeah. She wants to... This is what... Here's what she is. She's an absolutist, right? She's a radical realist. She wants to get back to the pure essence of what these books are about well we've said in the past that suzanne might be likely is just anne right right we we think that anne wasn't quite done with the game yet she was jones and she had that babysitting club monkey on her back still she wanted to get back into it but because of contract negotiations whatever she couldn't do it she couldn't write anymore so she had to invent this character suzanne suzanne anne right it's just Anne with, like, a false mustache. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it makes sense to me that Suzanne is right. the one who's so sitting focused. Right. She's she's trying to get back on track, right? The sitter cycle has spun out of control. We've got these ghosts and dolls and soldiers with magnificent weapons and orbs and all this fucking shit, which Anne is obviously into. Right. But when she comes back in the guise of Suzanne and she gets to pen a book, she longs for that simpler time. She longs for the time when it was just about sitting. She longs for good, clean babysitting fun, right? She says, happy reading to us, but happy sitting to these characters because that's what they're supposed to be doing. Not fighting these battles that are bigger than they are, bigger than their their youth and their innocence. Right. Do some sitting. The secret is in the sitting. The answer is in the sitting. And we need to remember that. I'm excited for the next run of books if that if we're getting back to basics. I'm a little nervous about what Pete can do with that. I feel like you can't you can't keep your Pete in a cage. You can't. If you tell Pete to write a book about sitting, it'll start a international craze. Right. Um I wasn't planning this. Oh, well, first of all, I have a question. Yeah. Can we go take a quick break and go to the bathroom and grab some new beers? I would like that a lot. Okay. And then okay. I'll tell you what I wasn't planning. Okay, fine. Okay. All right. You say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Tanner, before you say the thing that you were going to say before the break, 
Uh-huh. I feel like we did happy reading, happy reading, happy reading, and happy, happy reading. sitting, and nothing. But we didn't do happy trails. Oh, we forgot happy trails. Which leaves us with only one ghost rider, if my calculations are correct. And it must be Ellen Miles, because she hit the fucking road. <laughs> She's probably like out of work, man. Do you, know, do you, you have, have any idea how doesn't... traumatizing it is to be cut from the Anne stable? <laughs> Where'd you go, Ellen Miles? Happy trails. <laughs> Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Ellen Miles. Uh, we miss you. Come back to us. We w- Come back to us. We never really got to know you. You had a lot of talent, a lot of promise. Yeah. Um, what was the thing you were going to say? Um, I was going to kick it over to... Your friend and mine, uh-huh. Baby B. Karis, to mm. sing us into this sweet segment. Take it away, Karis. And I said, uh, uh, swallow me down, uh, uh, and that's that loving sound. This is a segment we call Swallow Me Into the Dark or Swallow Me Down, depending on how randy you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Baby Nation, you know this, I know this, these books are illustrated and are directed by a man called Hodges Swallow. Mm-hmm. He's a painter. He paints every single cover. This week, the painting on the cover is mostly... Accurate. Accurate. Yes. It's fine. It's got Stacy, arms akimbo, mm-hmm. Dana looking at her adoringly. Mm-hmm. Adam's looking like he's having a pretty good time, too. He's maybe asking her for some help with his homework. And then... So here's my concern. Yeah. She's standing in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. She's got an apron on, oven mitts. Yep. And then behind her is a refrigerator, and on the refrigerator is a list. Yeah. Jack. Mm-hmm. You and I are list experts. Mm-hmm. We write a lot of lists. We write a lot of lists. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, what's-his-face says you do something for 10,000 hours, you're an expert in it. Yep. I figured if anyone can get to the bottom of this list- Malcolm Gladwell. That Hodges has written. No, Tanner. Green Ring. Oh, sorry. I thought it was somewhere else. Carry on. If anyone can get to the bottom of this list that Hodges has written on yeah. his fridge, it could, it was you and I, but it's a little too small and a little too grainy to really make out what it means. So I think we're going to have to do some deep reading. Okay. Well, so it says to do at the top. It definitely says to do list at the top. To do that's list. That's readable. And that's underlined once, so that's important. Right. But then it gets weird. So the first line says max something. Mm-hmm. Max Fletcher? Max Headroom? I guess it's 96, so it's a little late for Max Headroom, but... Max Headroom. Um, do you get that reference, Tanner? Just probably before you were born. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the rubber face man, and he does Pepsi commercials. Yeah. And then it says... Madam? Yeah, Madam. Oh, Madam Sesostris, famous clairvoyant. A character, as you will know, from uh, The Wasteland by T.S. Eliot. Uh, she's the tarot reader. Oh, okay. So you think um, that's definitely an Elliot reference. Right, and she those were pearls that were his eyes, she says, quoting Well, let's keep, let's keep pins in all these, because I feel like they're all going to be interconnected. I yeah. feel like they're all going to make sense together. So, so far we have Max Headroom and mm. Madame... Sesostris. Sesostris. It, it looks like it says countertops to me, but I guess that could be... You think the next thing says countertops? No, I think it says Madame Countertops. Yeah. I think the next one says something... Business? Otter bi- Otter Business? Otter Bishops? Otter Bishops, yeah. That, I think that's what it says, Otter Bishops. Odor Bishops? Other Bishops? Let's move on. The next one says... Now I'm Salty. You read Now I'm Salty. Yeah. Clean Pies. Clean Pies. Well, that's just probably something, a task that Mrs. Chaplin gave to Stacy. That's actually just from her list. Oh, no, sorry. It, it says Clean Kids. Clean Kids. 
the task given to Stacy was to clean the kids. Clean the kids? Clean kids. Next one says poison, poison something. You're seeing poison, right? Yeah, I see poison at the front, but I can't read the second word in it. Snails? I see meteor. Poison meteor? Meteor. Poison meteor. Poison meteor. Okay, well, Check. That, that is troubling, because that's checked off as it having been done. Blank iris. Yeah, all right, well, we know what that means. And the final one? Shapes don't go... Shapes don't go in order? Tumor. Uh-oh. Tomorrow. Shapes don't go... Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay, so let's recap. Yeah. Max Hedgeroom. Yeah. Madam... Sesostris. Sesostris. Famous clairvoyant. Otter bishops. Mm-hmm. It sounds, to me, here's what it sounds, Tanner, is it sounds apocalyptic. Clean kids, poison meteors. Right. Blank iris. Shapes go tomorrow. Shapes don't go tomorrow. Shapes don't go tomorrow. It sounds apocalyptic, right? Max Hedrum is, is the herald. Right. He's here to warn us. Madame Tussaud is... I would say Sesostris. Yeah. The clairvoyant right also here to warn she's here us, to right? confirm the vision yeah the otter bishops that'll be a pretty cute interlude in the right. apocalypse i think but they have a special co- connection to god yeah spiritual connection people will be like things are going pretty badly we know that the poison meteor is coming but on the bright side it's pretty nice that we have these otter bishops they're always stacking these cups and then there's this time of confusion there's this line we can't quite make heads or tails of right but then we've got clean kids well that's the ones who are saved right that's the rapture yeah that's the word i was thinking of yeah that's the rapture so some people make it out right it's the clean kids right. and this is what Anne Just is saying before. with happy reading and happy sitting right if you do happy sitting and you sit some kids and make them if clean you practice happy reading and practice happy sitting right baby nation you have the chance of getting out during the clean kids rapture. Yeah, the otter bishops will spare you right before from the, the poison, poison meteor. meteor hits. Right. The poison meteor hits, that heat flash goes off, yeah. and your irises are cleaned. Yeah, and the shapes are gone. They're out. Well, thanks, Hodges. Thanks, Hodges. I'm not sure if that's um, anything, yeah. but I appreciate you doing that for us, Hodges. Yeah. Now we know what to look out for. As soon as cute otters start proselytizing right we'll know to kind of like get our affairs in order they're gonna look so sweet in those little cardinal hats though that's gonna be so cute <laughs> that's gonna be very sweet max headroom already happened max headroom has already happened right so we're already well on this path yeah though in 96 when this was written it had only happened about six or seven years ago Maybe more. Yeah, but there's no telling how long this lasts. Yeah. Could be a thousand years. Well, thanks for the warning, Hodges. Yeah, thanks for the heads up, bud. Yeah, I'll swallow you into the dark. Who, Hodges? Yeah. Okay. Me too, Hodges. Yeah. I'll swallow you down. Take us with you. (laughs) Tanner, I was thinking um, that we could do a um, a fun little segment. Okay. We play classy, classical music to introduce it. Oh. Maybe a little Handel. Maybe a little Handel. And then, Handel, Handel, come over here, please. Can you come in here, please? <laughs> Could you join us for a minute, Handel? Bring your harpsichord. <laughs> I'm in the mood for something a little baroque. A little baroque. Because, Tanner, this week I would like to talk about the Great American Novel of the Week. Tanner, this week, as you know, Stacy is writing a paper. Uh, that's the D plot, is that she's writing a paper, and she can't get it done with all this fucking babysitting. What else could I do, though, she says. The paper had to get done. I was sure Mom wouldn't want me to let my schoolwork slide just to go to the movies with her. I thought I could get it done during the week, but by the time I finished my homework each night, I was too tired to start researching the life of F. Scott Fitzgerald, which is the topic this week of our hit segment, Great American Novel of the Week. Thank you, Handel. <laughs> Can I leave or? <laughs> yeah, you can go. Well, uh, I think we'll you. need you back at the end to close it out. Oh, no problem. <laughs> it's nice to have you here. Yeah, no, this is, uh, you know, very nice for me. I've always preferred your works to the works of Haydn. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. How sweet of you to say. Yeah, yeah water music. That means so much to me. Yeah. Are you seeing anybody? Or? <laughs> <laughs> and 
scene. <laughs> uh, in that scene, uh, Jack was asked out by um, 18th century uh, Baroque musician George Friedrich Handel. Born the same year as Bach and Scarlatti. A lot of people don't know that. Tanner. And just as talented. As Scarlatti. That wasn't a dig. That felt like a dig, but it wasn't. Yeah. Tanner, this week Stacy is researching the life of F. Scott Fitzgerald. Okay. You don't think she's up to it? No. Well, no. That's You not, don't think she's up to the task? That's not what That's not what I'm speculating about. The way you say it, it sounds like you don't think Stacy is up to the task. Well, she's not. You think she's incapable of capturing this man's life? I think she is because she's fucking focused on other pursuits. She's focused on making money. Jack, if you whenever you feel like criticizing anyone, mm-hmm. Just remember that all the people in this world haven't had all the advantages that you've had. Stacy has had a lot of advantages. Her dad is like a fucking hotshot lawyer in New York. That was the opening line of Great Gatsby. <laughs> you fucking got me. <laughs> I just great American noveled you of the week. <laughs> wow. That's the famous opening lines of Great Gatsby, Jack. Well, there you fucking go, man. And that's what this book, Tanner, is about, and that's all that I had to say. <laughs> Stacy wants to buy a sports car. She's forgotten the things that make life meaningful, the little things, in her cupidity, in her avarice, in her acquisitiveness, in her endless pursuit of money and wealth and fame and the New York lifestyle that she aspires to this is not the way great american novel of the week usually goes i feel like it is frequently a quiz show so jack i challenge you okay is this quote from babysitter's club number 94 stacy mcgill's supersitter okay or is it from f scott's fitzgerald's classic novel this side of paradise no we're gonna do the other one okay all right i'm ready i'm fucking ready he and i looked at one another and burst out laughing we couldn't picture ourselves being so into bowling that we'd actually practice but we've been practicing in our heads he said his eyes dancing mischievously mental attitude counts for a lot okay mr spock logan teased (laughs) let's see if you can use that vulcan mind meld to keep the ball out of the gutter there were some clues in there okay all right I could go either way on this. Mm. The main character of The Great Gatsby, Nick, right. is a very intelligent man who is nothing if not logical. Right. Right? Much like Mr. Spock. Much like Mr. Spock. But on the other hand, there is, and if I remember correctly, no one named Logan in The Great Gatsby. So I'm going to go with Stacy McGill's Super Sitter. <sighs> Ding, 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 ding. I hope she'll be a fool. That's the best thing a girl can be in this world. A beautiful little fool. Stacey McGill, super sitter, no question. That's what Stacey is. Believe it or not, what? Great Gatsby, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Fuck. I know, that one was tricky. Is this a trick one because it's in both? Because that does feel like a chapter two description of Stacy. No, I don't think it's in both. Let me look. If you read further in the quote, does it say anything about her perm? A beautiful little fool with an excellent perm? No, it's just about this... Blonde? It just appears to just be about this flapper girl. Okay. All right. From the 1920s. I think it's for both. So we'll call that a draw. I've got one right, one even. And we'll do one more. Okay. Mm-hmm. I studied Robert... But it was hard to read his expression. That's okay, he said. No, it's not, I took his hand. I'm so sorry, really, I am. I meant to at least make you a card, but then everything got so crazy today at the Chaplin's. Robert held up his hand to stop me. You seem so touched that Logan was buying Marianne a ring. That made me think Valentine's Day must be something important to you. He blinked as if he were absorbing this news and trying to figure out how he felt about it. Okay. Wait, I'm not done. Okay, sorry. That was just the first part of the quote. Okay. Angry and half in love with her and tremendously sorry, he turned away. Okay. Here's what I got for you. Yeah. That sounds to me, it's been a while since I read it, but it sounds to me like the last chapter of The Great Gatsby, which is this incredible finale to a book. It just ends with fireworks. It sounds a lot like that in terms of the prose. Yep. But 
this isn't your fault, but you accidentally did it again. There's no character called Logan in The Great oh, Gatsby, gosh. so it's Stacy McGill's super sitter. It was actually a trick question. I combined two quotes. Mm, fuck. The first, like, um, seven-eighths of that was BSC, and the last two sentences was actually Great Gatsby. Well. Let me give you one more, just to even the odds. Okay. There are only the pursued, the pursuing, the busy, and the tired. Okay. Well, I've got this. Keep in mind, this book is largely about Stacy being overworked by Mrs. Chaplin. Okay. There are only... The pursuit, the, the pursuing, the busy. The pursuing, the busy, and the, and the tired. tired. So, the pursued this week, Tanner, is Marianne, and there's the pursuing, which is Logan, because he's trying to put a ring on it. Because he likes it. And Stacy's both busy and tired, so this is a fucking easy one. It's Stacy McGill, super sitter. Great Gatsby, F. Scott Fitzgerald. And that ends our segment. I was three for three uh, this week. And so we beat on boats against the current, born back ceaselessly into the past. Hondel, get back in here, bud. Play us out. Come on in, Hondel. <laughs> Another great segment down. Yeah. Do we want to tell Baby Nation about our... This might be stolen. I can't remember. We may have stole this from somebody. Mm-hmm. But do you want to tell them about our cool party trick called Gatsbying? Which is when you're at a party, you wait until everyone's like chatting and having fun, and then you wander off to the nearest big window overlooking like a landscape. Yeah. And you stand there with a brandy in your hand and like one hand behind your back, and you just stare longingly out the window. (laughs) (laughs) And you wait till someone comes and asks you what you're doing, and you say, I'm Gatsbying. It's very good. I was hoping someone would have noticed I was just Gatsbying. I was just Gatsbying. Here's what I want to do. Yeah. Jack. It was a great book this week. Yeah. Full of a lot of memorable lines. Yeah. But I'm curious if you managed to catch a... Yeah. I got one. May I, Jack, may I read you mine? Yeah. Because it's related to something that I've already brought up, which are these prank notes. Yes. From the kids of Stony Brook delivered to Christy and Logan, who they assumed were in a extramarital affair against Marianne. Right. Just then, the phone in the kitchen rang. I'll get it, said Christy, heading into the kitchen. Pike residence, she said as she picked up the receiver. Is this Krusty? <laughs> Asked a kid's voice. Do you mean Christy? No, Krusty. Krusty toenails. That's you. Click. <laughs> the kid on the other end hung up. <laughs> I like the clarification as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just I'm looking for Krusty toenails, which sounds a lot like your name. It's that I need you to know that it's you. Krusty toenails. That's you. <laughs> Just so there's no confusion here. Yeah. You are crusty toenails. Christy and Logan are both the victims of these childish pranks, and they both take it in such inspiring stride. Yeah. <laughs> like, if someone came at me like that, it would ruin my year. Oh, God. But they're both just like, nah, just some kids. Um, have we explained why they're pranking? It's because they thought... Logan was putting a ring on Christy. Extramarital affair. But he was actually just asking Christy's opinion on a ring he should put on Marianne. Which brings me to my burn of the week this week. Logan describing Marianne and his feelings for her. I wasn't actually in love, but I felt a sort of tender curiosity. (laughs) Burn on Marianne by Logan. No, Jack, I think you made a mistake. What? <laughs> that was a quote from The Great Gatsby. Oh, fuck! <laughs> I, I get them completely mixed up in my head. It was a quote from F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby. And it was a quote from F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby. What cued me yeah. off there was the accent. Was there an accent? You did a little bit of an accent, which I was I just inhabiting the role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Logan actually doesn't. He's got an accent, but it's not yeah. that. Oh, it's Louisville. Okay. Yeah, and actually, um, the Great Gatsby takes place in upstate New York, Long Island. So they don't have British. Well, accents. it was a, it was an effete American accent. 
Yeah, my burn was the crusty toenails stuff, man. Yeah, it was really good. It was fucking great. Crusty toenails for fucking Christy Thomas. It's fucking incredible. Really good suckification. <laughs> and that kind of talent from an Ugh. eight-year-old. Like, I'm not sure who came up with crusty toenails, but like, they're yeah. gifted. They're gifted. I think it may have been Becca Ramsey. She seems to be. It's either Becca Ramsey or Carrie Bruno. Yeah, because they seem to be the ones spearheading this initiative against the infidelity. Right. Whew. All right. Well, we almost made it through. We made it all the way through. We've stripped this book down and we've built it back up. There's nothing left to pull out of this text. The only other note that I have this week, Tanner, is uh, we caught a few more veil walkers. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, d- Baby Nation, there were a select few. Who did we get this week? Mostly the rich and the famous, those who can afford to walk between the planes. It's a very expensive process. The celebs of our world who cross across the veil between our worlds uh, into the world of Stony Brook. Uh, in the past, it's mostly only been Keanu Reeves. Johnny Depp dipped his toe in. Johnny Depp dipped his toe in. This week, listen to this passage. The last time we saw a show, we had supper in this restaurant nearby, and we sat next to these two men who were discussing what stars they wanted for a play they were producing. They were mentioning names like Keanu Reeves, Macaulay Culkin, Uh and Winona Ryder. Huh. Dad and I didn't talk for the whole meal. We just sat there and eavesdropped. I would, too, if I heard about people crossing between the planes of existence. So Keanu, who we know. Yeah, and we know that Keanu and Winona know each other from yeah. 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula, where they played alongside each other in that great film. So Keanu obviously was doing a favor for his friend. I don't know how Macaulay got dragged into it, but I do know, Tanner, that that was right at the beginning of his long hiatus from acting. Yeah, and we know that... Because of a former IP Freely segment, we know that... That's a segment where we talk about IP theft. Sorry for the title. Tanner came up with it. Carry on. We know that Anne and her crew are aware of the Home Alone series of films. Right. And they either stole the premise for a plot line of theirs or Home Alone stole the... It's not important. These things, it's it's litigation nightmare. But we know that the Sitterverse is at least somewhat aware yeah. of the Home It's a little Home alone in the Sitterverse, as they say. Sometimes. Well, so I think it's not far-fetched that Macaulay Culkin is on the radar of Anne and is a potential candidate for crossing over. Well, why wouldn't he be? Home Alone is possibly one of the greatest narratives in our shared cultural history about what happens when you don't pay attention to happy sitting. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah. If you're too busy with your happy trails and you're not busy with your happy sitting, guess what happens? You get a home alone situation. Right. And Macaulay Culkin had to go and see for himself. I want to see what it's really like. I want to see what it's like in a universe where a lot of things go wrong, but at the very least, all of the babies get sad. Right. Happy reading and happy sitting, Macaulay. You put a disgusting vision in my head where Macaulay Culkin, having been burned by his experience with Home Alone, is obsessed with babysitting and he would pay any amount to just go to a universe in which babysitters called all the shots (laughs) this is a universe of babysitting yeah it's like people going to westworld he's just like i need to go i need to experience it i'll pay any amount (laughs) well i hope that he got some measure so keanu and winona close friends from their time on the set of Bram Stoker's Dracula, did a favor for old Macaulay Culkin. They brought him in. Showed him a world where the sitters sit and the sat get sat. And that, Tanner, feels like a good place for us to get the fuck out of here. Yas! Baby Nation, thank you for listening. Tanner, thank you for being here. Baby Nation, thank you for your many wonderful reviews on iTunes. Please, please, please do keep them coming. If you haven't taken the time to give us a nice review on iTunes, please do take that time now. It makes a big difference for us. Share this episode or any other with a friend. We don't care which episode. We don't care which friend. Anyone who you think would appreciate our sense of humor and your sense of humor, because you must... Share a sense of humor with us if you're here and listening to this. Or you're like in the backseat of a car and someone put it on and you're too polite to tell them to stop. (laughs) (laughs) 
Shout out to you people. Yeah. <laughs> I've been you. Yeah. Um, this week, Baby Nation, we read a book that was called Stacy McGill, Super Sitter. Next week, we're going to be reading a book called Christy plus Bart equals... Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, you expressed that perfectly. <laughs> it's a math equation. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's solve this. Um, <laughs> Christy plus Bart. So you got you've got an x variable and you got a y variable equals. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Can't wait to read that. Bart Bashir, always a series favorite. Christy, Christy Thomas, best babysitter. Yep, or crusty toenails, as crusty I call toenails. her. <laughs> Woo! Um, that's what we've read. That's what we're reading. Guess who we've been? I this week have been Jack Alexander Shepard, America's favorite babysitters club critic and expert. I once was Tanner Ringerud. I am now and forever will be babysitters club expert and critic and beautiful soul inhabiting beautiful body beam of light radiant energy tanner green ring this week baby nation do not forget to round off the corners in your bedroom drown all of your dolls call your senator and demand your right to bear time and please remember to let daddy love you as much as i do if you are a sovereign citizen you are not being detained and you are free to go why because claudia's wearing a bra now and the way she talks You would think that boys had just been invented. What's in the box? (laughs) What's in the box? I doubt we're ever going to hear from the chaplains again, but I wish we could because i want to follow adam because i'm a little bit worried that like he's the type of person who will be like dressing up as a clown to terrorize stony brook in a few years maybe he'll uh he'll um turn up in some of those uh babysitters club mysteries a lot like ellen miles (laughs) am i right (laughs) happy trails ellen (laughs) consigned to the mysteries guess what uh Ellen Miles is miles away from these books. <laughs> I hope she found yeah, work. Yeah, I do hope she found work. Yeah. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs> <laughs>